everybody, I'm Roxy. And I'm Priska. And we are the Two Horny Goats! <laughs> <laughs> I just two horny goats climbing the mountain of life. Eating Asian American stereotypes <laughs> for breakfast! <laughs> On a scale of one to ten. How are you feeling right ten. now about <laughs> this episode topic we um, have today? Ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. today's episode topic is people pleasing. pleasing. <laughs> We're talking about the confessions of recovering people pleasers. But honestly, yeah. all of y'all know if you're listening, yeah. there's a little bit of part of you that, a little bit. you know, little is also bit. suffering from the symptoms of people pleasing in the past. And if that's you, that's us. The we, we are, are you. You we are, are us. us. Yes. <laughs> we are all one. Yes. We're on the struggle bus. You know what I mean? And I mean, I think that at one point, all of us have gone through yeah. some major aspects of people pleasing yeah. because we wanted to belong. We wanted to assimilate. We didn't want to rock the boat. Mm-hmm. Right. Unless people, there are those who are actively seeking out war. But- yeah. And then things got a little out of hand. You know, like, you know, it starts off good. Like, I want to make a friend. Yeah. And mostly those are just like men. So yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah. Like, well, no, I want to make a friend. And then all of a sudden you're baking pies till three in the morning, like trying to bake the best apple pie to make a friend. And it's like, OK, honey, we've gone. We've we've run this too far. You know what I mean? But I have to be honest with you. When yeah. I was a people pleaser, I was not aware of that. Like, yeah. I wouldn't think that to myself. No. I just thought this is what I'm supposed to do. Ooh, you know what I'm saying? We gonna break this all down are we gonna break it all down like you don't think you don't think you're a people pleaser you just think like this is there was some sort of narrative that was being fed to you about you having to do all this to get someone's approval right would you say you are a people pleaser today do you think i'm a people pleaser no (laughs) (laughs) but i what do you think of me in the past yes right i um i don't know that it's like I think when I think of you, I think you just always wanted to like make sure that you did the best job possible for mm-hmm. anybody. Like, well, I didn't know you at the peak of like your popularity. So maybe that's something we can talk about it. But we talked about you were like the social butterfly. Yeah. And that was kind of like right before we became really close. Right. Um, so I don't necessarily know about that. But I know when you worked for clients and maybe this is everybody, but like you're suddenly like it was a completely different you. You know what I mean? Like you would do anything for any client, no matter what time of day. And you wanted like any of these clients, no matter how big or small they were, like you wanted to just like make sure they were happy. I know this phrase is probably, I mean, we're not using this phrase anymore, but I'm just going to reference this because everybody knows what it means. But it's like, I just wish that I had big dick energy. Mm -hmm, You know mm -hmm, what I mean? mm -hmm, It's mm -hmm. like, obviously we could call it big ovary energy Mm -hmm. for us, but let's be real. It's Mm -hmm. like anybody who embodied big dick energy Mm -hmm. just basically didn't have those attributes of being Mm -hmm. a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. They're very very confident in, in who they are. Yeah. You know, they are not there to please you. Yeah. You know, they're just like, this is what, exactly. So yes, big dick energy for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. It's like, I'm not here for your orgasm. No, here for fucking money hit it and quit it yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> oh that makes even more sense yes. i think that big dick energy could be used for that right well. right right Absolutely. yeah for sure yeah that does resonate <laughs> yeah i mean because an ovary could never 
an ovary that creates life could never. <laughs> so Prisca, do you identify currently as a people pleaser? I, I would identify as a recovering people pleaser. Uh, um, so like a recovering alcoholic, like <laughs> I am definitely... I am much better than I used to be. I'm, I would say like I'm a hundred times better than I used to be. But because I was such an extreme people pleaser, yeah. a lot of things still linger. Yeah. So I am in recovery. <laughs> I'm on a 12 step for people pleasing. And I think the best thing about it, and we'll talk about it as well, but like the friendships that I have keep me from going back to my people pleasing ways because it's not just me you know what I mean mm. so my friends are the ones that help me be accountable for not being a people pleaser can I ask you when you first started noticing this yeah I think being a pastor's kid like so many things on the pod was the root of so many evils um because as a PK you learn very quickly like from a very, very young age, like I literally was born and went to church that next Sunday. Like, oh my God. you know, but like I knew that if aunties and uncles were around, like I had to shut up and I had to behave. And like anytime I was around the church, people would, you would hear whispers like, oh, that's like Liang Jason's newer. Like that's like Timothy's daughter. Like that's Michelle's daughter. Like that's like the pastor's kid. And like you would hear whispers about it. So all of a sudden you feel your your um posture straightening up a little bit you feel like you know I would I was like kind of a wild kid on the playground I would just be crazy and my mom would like literally be like no you need to like velcro both of your shoes and clean up before you come inside because you people are gonna from see like you. a royal family a almost. Little, like a little bit yeah a it's little like you bit. knew your role right away yeah. once when people started calling you that yes and it's like in our family dynamics conversations in the past you've always talked about how your parents prioritized everything in the church before family yes because, for sure you know yeah. and so i think that sort of ingrained something in your dna to be of service mm -hmm. but it sort of took over everything like to it be did. of service right to be of service and like always being on like um, always being on was kind of how I view certain elements of my childhood. For example, like we might come home and there was like a missionary family living with us indefinitely. Sometimes it was two, three nights. Sometimes it was two, three months. Mm. Um, and every time those people are there, like we're kind of being told like, like we're being told their story, like some, usually some sad or difficult story by my parents. And that was a reason why we had to kind of be on at all times when they were home I see. and we had no autonomy over, it, we had no control. So at all times we're being like groomed in such a way to always be prioritizing these people and making sure they're happy. That's interesting. So your, your experience really comes from like an institution, Yeah, but mine comes from literally just my Okay. My mom. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, tell me what was like, so how did your mom kind of, um, instill that people pleasing way into you? So my mom did not come from a very nurturing family background. Mm -hmm. You know, she never really received loving mm. from her mom or her father. Like her father was absent her whole life. Wow. Her mother was quite volatile. Mm. Um, I love my grandmother, but she was not a nice person. Mm. And because of that, that energy just trickled down to everybody else in the family. Wow. So my mom didn't know how to have like emotional love. Mm -hmm. And because there's a lack of emotion in the way that she raised me in a mm -hmm. way that was healthy. I mean, I'm sure that a lot of you could have heard from it when we talked about the sexual grooming episode. Yeah. Like I was kind of disconnected to what was happening or yeah. what I, the revelation that I had. And that's a part of it. Right. right. 
right? It's like you're disconnected from your feelings. Yeah. And so having the lack of that emotional sort of love, that unconditional love, you're raised sort of chasing after mm-hmm. people's validations. And why are you like, I remember like think I don't, I have to say this in Mandarin. It's mm-hmm. like, but it's like, um, I knew, now I can't even speak in Mandarin, but mm. it's like the convenience, like you don't want to inconvenience everybody. Like you have to earn your place mm-hmm. on this earth. You have to earn your place as the daughter. You have to earn it. But I'm like, right. who brought me here in the yes, first place? You yes. know what I mean? But it was ingrained in you mm-hmm. to sort of like earn mm-hmm. everything. Yes. To be in servitude, hoping to earn yes. whatever it is. Like you can't just be accepted for whatever it is that you want you can't just be accepted at face value there's always sort of like um what is it gauntlet yeah right a trial yes of what you have to do so it's like i know we're gonna get into this in a little bit but that was sort of my experience of where this all got rooted from and i i will say like i I was a very extreme people pleaser, maybe different in the way that you were. Mm. Um, but I think a lot of our symptoms were the same. Mm-hmm. Before we get into exactly what people pleasing is, I mm. want to start with a little game. Okay. Okay. Uh-oh. So I'm scared. So I want you to raise your hand. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and also goatees, feel free to see mm-hmm. if this applies to you as well. But I want to basically play a little game it says 10 signs that you're a people pleaser Great. so go ahead and raise your hand if mm-hmm. this still pertains to you now okay uh, should i ding because it's a podcast yes okay you number one you pretend to agree with everyone like is this now or like yeah now oh, now. oh um ding <laughs> wait is ding a yes or no yes. ding is a yes okay you pretend to agree with everyone ding um number two you feel responsible for how other people feel Ding. Ding. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Number three, you apologize often. Ding, 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 ding. 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 <laughs> Great. Number four. Uh oh. Am I recovering or am I just. <laughs> Shit. Number four. Uh oh. You feel burdened by the things you have to do. Ding. <laughs> Number five, you can't say no. Good job, good yeah. job. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number six, you feel uncomfortable if someone is angry at you. Ding. Ding. <laughs> so uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm not afraid of it, but it's uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Ding. Number-, <laughs> <laughs> Number seven, you act like the people around you. You mirror. Ding. Ding. <laughs> um oh oh this one fuck Uh number eight now everyone knows all our secrets (laughs) we're human yeah yeah um number eight you need praise to feel good (laughs) yes last two i promise okay um you go to great lengths to avoid conflict ding I ding. I ding. I ding on that. You could... I used to be worse, yeah. Okay, great. This is something that I I do. Um, Number 10, Uh you don't admit when your feelings are hurt. Ding. Uh, (laughs) Ding. Ling, ling. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's a big one. 
that's a bit, i'm learning i'm learning to but it's it's like the conflict thing it's like hard it's I, so I don't enjoy hard it. yeah it's so hard it's i'm i'm trying to be more mindful yeah and be okay with the discomfort that yeah that will bring yeah but yeah i think i still suffer from a lot of these yeah attributes. i think i feel like direct conflict doesn't scare me as much as um assumed displeasure you know what i mean yeah. like if we're having a real talk like i'm happy to go into the you know go into the fire go into the gauntlet like let's fucking work it out like i actually like enjoy that yeah. to an extent like i'm not inviting that but when it happens i i want to make it better you know i want to work it out but when it's like assumptions or you feel like someone's mad at you or someone's just like not pleased with you that is like my like kryptonite yeah you feel responsible for other people's feelings yeah like even times on the pod if i text you and you don't text me back i'm like oh my god she's like so mad that i did this one thing like 10 years ago and like she's mad and then you text me back like loving text and i'm like oh yeah i just spun out of control yeah and like i'm starting to bake you pies and i'm like i must gift them to her yeah right there in the middle of the night the assumption shit right yeah that's so crazy and it just drives into like a whole fucking vortex of anxiety something that's not even real it's not real yeah goatees if you played that game i'm sure you dinged or raised a couple fingers let a couple us know times. how many dings you got yeah let us know how many dings you got but like let's talk about some of the roots of people pleasing. let's do it what is it because it's like crazy it has a lot to do with self-regard so apparently let's talk about like like historically evolutionarily we adapted to like you said mirroring people um responding in a way that was agreeable to them so that we could join and be part of tribes yeah because that was like what made others feel safe right it was a safety net or an icebreaker sort of environment totally and so basically in certain ways people pleasing in the modern world is social evolution run amok like it's basically like a good thing that was important for social tribal things that kind of went a little cray cray Uh went a little above and beyond Uh and it's like um we went from needing to be accepted by people in order to belong to a tribe to going to extreme lengths to avoid rejection and or judgment so it's kind of gone all the way to the other extreme it's swing it's swung all the way up to now instead of operating because we need to belong we're operating because we're so deathly afraid to be rejected mm. <sighs> shit uh-huh mm-hmm. When uh, I don't, oh shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's terrible. And also, psychologically speaking, it has to do with, again, self regard because if you have high self regard, you know what you need, you are perceptive of others' needs, but you, you care about your needs as well. Yeah. Concurrently. But if you have very low self regard, then you tend to only mind the needs of others and thinking that minding the needs of others will fulfill your own emotional needs that's codependency that's part of codependency exactly which is something we've talked about in the past right (laughs) and so in addition to that then what that leads to is this cycle of spending time worrying about what others think about you because you think that them being happy with you is gonna satisfy and fulfill you in some ways even though that is empty So then you get into this cycle of wondering if people are thinking, acting to hopefully make them happy, them not being happy, you assuming them not being happy, and again and again and again. You know, that's so true because when we were doing the 10 signs that you're a people pleaser, um, the biggest one that rang for me was you need other people's praise. Yes. And 
there was a time when I was getting accolade after accolade oh, after, yes. and but it felt empty. Mm. Like if it, it, it didn't feel like no matter what I got, yeah, you know, I could be nominated for an Emmy, nominated for a Curious no baggies, but right. yes, all you, these you know, things are true. Yes, and it's it's like I'm at, I think I'm at a different place now. It's not that I don't need people's praise because there's still a part of me that inherently does. Yes, and when I started noticing that, I was like, oh. Yeah. I'm chasing an addiction. Whoa. Yeah. It's like a sugar addiction. Yeah. And it's like, and you know, recently we celebrated our birthdays mm-hmm. and like people were obviously giving you a lot of attention on your birthday, texting you, Facebook yeah. messages, all of that. And then I was like feeling so overwhelmed, yeah. you know, because I'm like, oh, there's a lot of people here and right. everyone's saying such nice things. And then there's another part of that, which is they were giving me the praise. Yeah. Yeah. But on the other side, I'm like. Well, they don't mean it. They're right. just being nice. You yeah. know, it's like this really harmful self-narrative mm. that people pleasers have because no matter what you do, it's never enough. It's never enough. And then somehow, even if something's super banal or super genuine, you you start to read things into it. Like, well, are they just saying happy birthday because like they need something from me or like they're actually laughing at me, but like they just want to say it like all these like very insidious thoughts yes. start to kind of come out when you're in this cycle exactly yeah. it's like I, and i have a more direct i mean i love my mom i just want to remind everybody <laughs> that i do love my mother yes. but she used to say this thing to me and please anybody tell me if you went through something similar yeah. but it's like if someone pays me a compliment my mom's just like oh they're not willing to tell you the truth oh my gosh my mom would say the same shit i know it was an intention to keep us humble, humble yeah and like aware and like grounded but like it's me <laughs> i know it's 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 a it really created like a dysmorphic view of myself yeah, you yeah, know yeah it's always like oh they're not really telling you they're just being nice like all of this like if i would like you know um guests would come over to our house and yeah. i would sit and like play piano and like they would say nice things to me and she's like nobody wants to hear that they're just being nice to you like, nobody wants to hear that. Like, it's just noise. Fuck. Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, okay. And did you manage to start parenting yourself? I mean, I try, but the damage is fucking there. And I it's, know. I'm, I fight. I fight that voice. Like, exactly what your mom said. I couldn't even verbalize it till you said it. I fight that voice all the time. All the time. And I have great, like I said, I have great friends, but I fight that all the time. So, Roxy, and I ask you, like, going back to childhood, mm. um, what was, like, the first, like, remembrance of you doing something that was just, like, to please someone else? I remembered when I used to have crushes on young guys, mm-hmm. you know, like, when I was, like, 10 or 12 or yeah. something. And I would... This is probably the most obvious indicator because when you like someone, it's a rare thing, mm-hmm. right? Like a crush. It's like, oh, suddenly it's this crush that you have. Mm-hmm. And I remembered I would like do everything for them. Yeah. You know, like I'll go and like get their food for them. I'll go and like, you know, yeah. pick up something or like, what do you need? I'll do this. And I almost like mother them in a yeah. way. And I remembered like one of the young men were just like, oh, thanks, mom. Yeah. And then that like sparked something like i was like i don't want to be your mom right you know and, Interesting. and i didn't know how to like be emotionally you know or mm-hmm. like come from a place that wasn't that mm-hmm. like because my mom only knew how to show love by doing things and giving you things and yeah. taking care of things yeah but it's like i didn't even know who i was which was fine yeah but i remembered like thinking about everything like okay well what are their schedules like maybe they'll need this maybe they'll need extra water like maybe right. but they don't even they don't 
they don't communicate that to me. No. I don't know them You're just in assuming. that way. I'm just assuming everything. And yeah. I'm like, I just got to prove myself that yeah. I'm fucking worthy. Int- wow. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I yeah. know you resonate with this. Oh, yeah, for sure. Except instead of boys, which, of course, boys, I would just run in circles because I just had too many, too much energy around crushes. Right. But it was like literally like teachers. <laughs> <laughs> I know your thing for teachers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I... I think if a teacher was impressed by me in some way, I would get so anxious and that would make me um, fail the next quiz. Like oh. it would literally like, it would be too much for me. Like it's so overwhelming yeah. like, because I wanted to make them happy so badly and I could feel like I could feel that they wanted me to succeed. And yeah. that was so much pressure that I would automatically like fail. Like, what? yeah, it's like a thing. Like, like my sister Vicky also has the same thing. Like, Maybe like, okay, maybe if you're out on the, like the football field, why would we be out on a football field? But just come with me there. Okay. And like, I catch like a really crazy pass or whatever. And people are like, whoa. And then the fact that they're now expecting me to do something like like that again will literally make me fumble the next pass because I'm just. There's so much pressure. There's so much pressure. Yeah. There's so much riding on yourself for Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And I don't rise to the occasion. Okay. So (laughs) let's talk about another aspect of this people pleasing thing is what I'm hearing is like Mm -hmm. there's perfectionism tied to this oh interesting perfectionism yeah because you want people to like you and you feel that you need to be perfect in order to um deserve that do you ever feel like like for instance you know you're you're on a people-pleasing journey with the teacher right at were you always on eggshells like there's gonna be a shoe that drops i'm gonna fuck up on this one little thing and it's gonna ruin everything. everything yes and i I think, again, going back to our mothers, who we love, who we love. <laughs> I think, I think very, very young, my mom was like, you've broken this trust with me. Like, I remember, I think I've said on the pod, like, I put gel in my hair and I told my mom, like, I didn't, but I did. So it was like the first lie I ever, like, really consciously remember telling. It's because of hair gel. Hair, hair gel. And from that moment on, my mom was like you've broken your trust with me. I was six, maybe five, five or six. And she was like, you've broken your trust with me. I can never trust you. You have to like earn that trust back. And it literally, I don't think I ever did. (laughs) Like, it wasn't like two days later and she's like, okay, like, you know, it was like years and years of like, she would refer back to that. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. And so I think because I was in this disapproval, like um, imbalance with my mom, I worked so hard to make her happy for so long. And I think it wasn't even until like college that I started to recognize that I needed to relinquish it. But it set up this power dynamic within love and relationships that um, bled into my friendships and romantic relationships. What are some of the common patterns that you see yourself doing for... Mm, Good question. I think... Again, like I was bullied for a really long time. So I think I would love bomb people because I didn't know how to, like you said, like I didn't know how to express my love for people in a like verbal or communicative way. Mm-hmm. I would just love bomb people. I would take on their personalities, their interests. I would take on all of that um, and pretend to be somebody else because I thought that's what would make me likable to them. Only to find out, like, nobody likes a shell of a person. And essentially, when you do that, you become a shell of who you are. 
I think that awakening happened for both of us in college. Yeah. What What was that like for you, like, to recognize that you didn't need to do that anymore? I think, honestly, it's like you were talking about in a past episode about us belonging to our parents when we lived under the roof. Mm-hmm. And so much of our identity was attached to that. Mm. And I just was so unhappy in high school. Mm. You know, I think I told you this. And I was just so depressed. I wrote my Zanga all the time. I was yeah. like, it was very dark. I felt so isolated. My boundaries were constantly being, you know, stepped on and stepped over and disrespected. And then I, my mom, I love her. But mm-hmm. it always made me feel like I had to be a certain way in order to be accepted and loved. And mm-hmm. I think th- that's not her fault. Like, mm-hmm. her trauma is that, like, she, even to this day, she, like, wakes up at 7 a.m., cleans the whole house every wow. single day, like, without fail. Wow. Like, makes breakfast, makes food. Like, she's still earning her, quote-unquote, keep wow. to nobody to else nobody. but herself. Yeah. Like, that's her thing. That, that I recognize now that's her issue to deal with that's not my issue it's not my thing to fix her yeah and then like i went to college and you you are suddenly separated from that right and then you're dorming and then you're like living somewhere else and then suddenly the the true parts of you starts to seep out just a little bit you're crazy starts to come out just Just a little little bit bit. and then i realized that when i let out my crazy it didn't repel people the way that i thought it would it made people more attracted to it. Wow. That is so liberating. My Holy mom shit. was like trying to tell me to keep my crazy down. And yeah. now look at this fucking bitch in front of you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I am the ultimate crazy woman. Yo. And I love it. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. I, I think that's incredible. Like, and I think like finding that freedom so young and, and having people accept it is so like, you're still in your formative years. So yeah. it's still like you still have a chance to kind of undo a lot of the stuff from your childhood. And I think proximity or lack thereof from your mother has helped in your twenties. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, was there one particular person that sort of shook you or made you really notice this and start examining it? I think, so I think opposite from you, I think college is where my people pleasing, like hit another tier like went up because it's interesting right because like back at home at walnut mm-hmm. it was like the church and mm-hmm. then like now did you feel like you had to hone it onto something else like throw yeah. it onto something else i think like college was the first time that i made friends easily it was the first time since fifth grade right and so i struggled a lot all through high school to make any friends and I love people. I yeah. love being around people, but I just found it really difficult to connect with people, um, to not, I, I, I think because I was so sheltered, I came off weird to people, like just because of the nature of my upbringing, you right. know, and I get it like, yeah. you know, I do, but it was frustrating. And so when I got to college, all of a sudden I'm like easily making conversation with people, easily making friends with people and all of come to find out I have all the time in the world to do anything for people. Um, there's no limitations to that. I'm not living under my mom's roof anymore. Yeah. I can be there for that 3am, 4am conversation when they're crying about their ex-boyfriend. I can be there. I also drove a minivan. I could drive them friends anywhere that they needed to go. And it didn't matter if it was for utility, like moving, or if they just wanted to go see the stars or wanted to go get a burrito in San Diego, I would drive them because I'm like, I, there's no, it, all of a sudden, like these 
boundaries that I perceived to maybe be limiting me from making friends were gone. And all of a sudden, like the only thing keeping me was how many hours a day I could stay awake. And all of a sudden I was doing everything for everybody, driving people to the mall, to food, to the beach, to the wilderness. I was staying up all hours of all nights, being there for everybody as much as I could. But I had no idea who the fuck I was yet. I was just, I was just so enamored with finally making friends that I, I completely threw out any idea of concern, like for myself. But that's so understandable given the nature of your circumstance before. Yeah. And hearing you talk about this now, I, I remember you and me getting mm-hmm. really high. Uh-huh. Like, like we were just so like energetically yeah. high yes, yes. from that whole sort of tornado of like friend making yes. and social bonding and yeah. like from- not, not actually high. Cause no, like, no, 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 not yeah. actually. We I'm didn't sorry. do that till our twenties. <laughs> And Roxy was like, just, it's fine. And I was like, like it's like, God. And she was like, God will be fine with it. She loves it. Exactly. Yeah. God is a woman. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just remembered like you would be thrown into like another level of like Prisca, like yeah. energetically, like energize a bunny Prisca. Mm-hmm. Like you had so much joy and you still do mm-hmm. when you're in throes of people, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, like that's just like a natural part of who you are. For sure. But it's like, um, I, I remembered because I had such a bad time in high school. Mm-hmm. I, when I came to college, I said, I can be friends with anyone. Mm-hmm. And that was the challenge I set for myself, ah. which, <laughs> yeah. which happened, but yeah. it was a problem because yeah. you can't get along with everyone. No. You can't force connections with everyone. No. But I told myself I was the person that could. And what would you do to get along with people that maybe you didn't naturally get along with? I mean... I hate it. Oh my God. It's like, uh, you know, go to parties. I didn't want to go to drink with people that I, there were people that were just drink buddies. Like Mm -hmm. what the fuck is that? You know, know. like nothing was intentional. Obviously we talk about intention a lot in this podcast, but like back then I was just like, it doesn't matter. I'm like, Oh, this person's super popular, like a super dance team, whatever. Like I'm going to be best friends with this person. Yeah. But we don't naturally click like what what benefit are you going to be their new best friend like what is this like a high school movie like you know i mean i'll be honest like i probably have people pleasing to thank for me becoming a democrat because i came from a very republican (laughs) background Mm -hmm. but then when you're hanging out in 2006 in the dorm rooms everyone hated bush obviously (laughs) still do but like uh, you know and everyone was talking about the war and everyone was talking about obama and that like because i wanted to fit in I literally put on like the opinions of other people. Um, and maybe that's what college is kind of for. Like, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not trying to say all this is bad. I'm just saying when it's out of control and you're completely neglecting your own needs and your own thoughts and your own desires, like it, it literally is both physically and psychologically damaging. And I think it's, I think we should be a little bit more gentler to ourselves in that time because because we don't know what our boundaries were. We don't. You know, like, I feel like I'm watching Gen Zers now, like, being forced into this pandemic Mm -hmm. and they have to grow up really quickly. Yeah. So they're all, like, apartment talks and then they're all, like, so much more mature or, like, know what their boundaries are. And I'm like, well, at that time, to be fair, in my head, I had a really great time. Yeah. But, like, thinking back on it now, I'm like, I can never do that again. Like, I would much rather not. Yeah. Like, where if you were to say like like you're like how you are now versus mm-hmm. how you were before mm-hmm. like how much would you say that you improved 
on yourself from this journey of people pleasing? That's a good question. I think that I've improved a lot yeah. because I think running around trying to be all things to all people made it so that the, the real like ride or die friends that I had in my life, I would double book on them all the time. I remember Yeah, that. you remember that. And they were the ones... It's kind of like a biblical like parable. Like <laughs> like the good friends like came to me and they were like absolutely not. Like I want time with you. I don't appreciate being jerked around and like actually I might need some space until you kind of figure this out. And I remember up into my mid 20s like I would have those conversations with friends of mine. Um and I would end up on the floor crying. And I lived with this one girl and she, you know, gave me one of those talks and I, she found me on the floor upstairs crying and she's like, like, this is dramatic, like, you know, but like, it hurt me so much because all I wanted was to make everybody happy. And what these, my friends, my real friends wanted to tell me was like, you can't make everybody happy, but like, we love you and we want like you to take care of you and like you to be there for us when you can you know what I mean like not to just be everything for all people and I think it got really bad in my early 20s because I was like trying to be a YouTuber yeah you know I was like trying to get on stages trying to get famous trying to collaborate with people so then it exacerbated that even more because I could take those people pleasing things and like turn it on the fucking internet you, you know, know what's crazy is um my toxic trait of mm -hmm. my early 20s when you said you can't make everyone happy. Mm -hmm. Young Roxy would say to herself, I'm a failure. Right. Yeah. If you didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what is wrong with me that there are people who are liked by everyone, right? Which is a fallacy. Right. But, you know, in your head, you're just like, this person's loved by everyone. Everyone. Why, why can't I be like that? Yeah. You What's know? wrong with me? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it goes back to exactly mm -hmm. what you were talking about earlier. It's the lack of self-love and self-value. Yes. Yeah. Which we've grown a lot on. And I think we... Yeah, I'm are, fucking cute as we're fucking... We're cute as fuck. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm, just like, I'm perfect. But like we talk about and we joke about if yeah. young Roxy and young Prisca were trying to do two horny goats, we couldn't have because no. we would have been spewing, honestly, very toxic shit. Because, and which is fine because sometimes I see these young podcasters like girls like you know that remind me of us and i'm like they're so smart and they're so self-possessed so, so yeah. yes and i'm like wow we were like not to like again to be gentler with ourselves but i know myself and like the thoughts that went through a lot of our minds you know and our conversations they were very focused on making other people happy well that's because that was the environment at the time yeah. you know i mean come on me and Josh just rewatched all of twilight which <laughs> twilight. was 10 years yeah. ago it was the biggest movie of the you know biggest franchise yeah. and i'm like watching it now i'm like this did not age well no. but that was what we were ingesting yes, right so true. it's like it's true that i'm sure that a lot of women and men uh, just anybody in our generation could attest to this yeah. because there's always this element of people pleasing because we weren't able to honestly and safely communicate how we feel it's really true and speaking of honestly and safely communicating how we feel and setting boundaries we're going to talk about that in topic two right well, after this little it. break <laughs> we'll be right back 
I've always been a thick girl, mm-hmm. right? I think I think this is in my genetic makeup. Mm-hmm. Because I've never been skinny, I had to constantly apologize for taking up space. Hi, Goatees. Thanks for tuning in. Last season, we did an episode about fat phobia and binge eating. If you haven't heard it yet, this is a great one to play during your commute this week. And if I'm being completely honest with you all, I had friends, I've seen memes, I've seen it in TV shows where people are like, yeah, I turned to food for comfort. I never understood it until I got Ashland and I started to turn to food for comfort. It was the only pleasure center in my brain that I knew how to fire up. In all our years of friendship, these were things we never talked about because we either didn't know how to start the conversation or we just didn't feel comfortable sharing yet. And then my mom used to do this thing. Everything that I ate, she would observe, she would monitor. Mm. And I remembered um, sometimes she'll let me chew the food but spit it out. So at least I could taste it. Now that I really think back on it, it was a terrible time. We hope you take a listen. Head to twohornygoats.com slash episodes slash fatphobia to listen now or find the episode on Spotify and iTunes. Okay, now back to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to this juicy, juicy, juicy topic of mm. people pleasing. Mm. People pleasing in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Put your hands up. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> The higher you raise them, the more pleased we'll be. So I'm just kidding. Don't do it. Don't do, put your hand. Put your hand down. <laughs> hey, Priscilla. Yes. Um, on the flip side mm-hmm. of this conversation, how do you feel other people feel about you people pleasing? Like, do you honestly feel that they appreciate what you do for them, that they accept you? Like, no, I think yes and no. Like, I feel like that's the fucking thing about being a people pleaser is it's never satisfying it doesn't matter like honestly even though you're doing stuff for other people it honestly doesn't matter what they think because my desire for approval is insatiable Ah. you know sometimes they do sometimes they don't no matter what for me it's like i'm eating empty carbs i'm not getting any like nourishment yes I'm eating and I'm eating and I'm eating, but it's like almost like eating like a pavlova. It's like there's nothing. It's just like empty sugar. You're like, you know what I mean? It's so interesting because the intention behind a people pleaser, like, you know, in the most yes. like fundamental sense is I want to please you. I yeah. want to make you happy. Yeah. Right. I'm going to do this for you because yeah. I love you. Yes. Right. But it doesn't matter what you think. Yeah. Exactly. And that's so counterintuitive. It's so counterintuitive. And like, that's the fucking thing about people pleasing is like, there's no quick solution. We're not saying, and stop. Some of the behaviors that you have aren't necessarily bad on their own. But like with everything in fucking adulthood, it all comes back to balance. It all comes back to balance. Like, I think one of the hardest things for me to recognize, it took me a really long time. People don't like people pleasers. They might enjoy the things, they might enjoy the apple pie you spent all night baking for them. Sure. They might eat it. They might enjoy it. But you doing that for them all the time is not what is going to like engender in them a, a preference for you or a desire for you. You know what I mean? Because actually what comes out of extreme people pleasers is the lack of authentic relationships. Yes. Because I, you know, um, my mom, you know, she taught me to like always pay, mm-hmm. like always be the one to pay or always be the one to like do this, do that or do that. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, um, 
and if they say stop, she's like, no, 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 please keep it. Please keep it. You yeah. know how like people fight over the bill yes. in Asian culture, you know, it's that sort of that thing. But on the other side, I'm like, I feel a lot of pressure. Yeah. I feel like I have to fight or I, that I have to like come into this energy or mm-hmm. that I have to feed it, but it's not really who I am. No. And I feel like, you know, for me, the turning point of this was I realized that none of my people pleasing attempts or efforts towards certain people ever resulted in an authentic relationship interesting what was like the biggest flop that you remember that kind of hit you oh my god there's so much there's so many right there's so many there's so many. okay okay <laughs> um i think you know in the dance community mm-hmm. and i was in the dance community for all four years of college i devoted most of my time to mm-hmm. it if not all of my time to mm-hmm. mcia and um I spent the most time with these people. Mm-hmm. I gave everything, gave my all. I hung out with all these different types of people, hung out in groups, individual dates, individual, little, 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 little. I bought boba for people. I did this for people. I did like, yeah, I, I spent money. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I still, it's not like I'm on bad terms with anyone, but are any of them part of my tribe now? No. Right. Wow. With Rochelle was never forced. She was never anything to me in one of my organizations or anything like that. I didn't have to be forced to be given anything. It just developed naturally. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, Leah, same. You, same. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, of course, you and I were in film class together, but mm-hmm. it's not like you weren't like, it's like, oh, let's shoot something. Oh, you're seeing a cool. But it's like not forced to a certain outcome. Yeah. And it took time. Right. You know, I didn't put you on a pedestal, mm-hmm. you know, thank God I didn't put you I on, know. I didn't put Sheldon on a pedestal. No, there's no way we would have fit on a pedestal. <laughs> <laughs> we were too, we were too amorphous. <laughs> but you I remember, realized anybody, you then. I, yeah. yeah, exactly. But like, I, I realized you people please mm-hmm. to certain people because you put them on a pedestal. That's a good point. That is a really good point. And now I had a breakthrough. Yeah. No one I put on a pedestal. Mm-hmm ever resulted in an authentic connection wow because i'm already self-sabotaging it right. by making them better than me before i even know who they Ooh, are bitch shit yeah but you're different because you still people please with the people that yeah, you love yeah, and I, do. Relationships I, I know with. i'm like working you on do it. it with me all the time <laughs> and i'm know. just like what are you doing <laughs> i know i I think like but that's a love language sometimes. I know. Yeah. I think I'm trying to sort out what my love language is versus like what's just people pleasing. And I think I think it's interesting that we keep bringing up kind of our parenting because I think our parents set the bar for us. Uh-huh. And like, you know, for my mom, like she like God bless her, like <laughs> literally God blesses her. <laughs> but like, you know, I think it's like this thing where it's like you completely sacrifice yourself in in for the kingdom of god you know Mm -hmm. and that's kind of like the mindset and i think being an immigrant like it was a fear-based relationship with god you know and it was like if we don't do all these things to please god then he will withhold blessings from us is kind of like the transactional it is right and it's like that's where culture and religion merge where like you know what i mean this confucian culture merging with western christianity turned into you owe something in order to get love and benevolence right um bestowed upon you and so um i i distinctly remember like this is the bar that we had like we were doing a garage sale at our house and my mom there was this family that came and like 
you know, they, they were sweet. They, they didn't have a lot of money. And so my mom literally like ran upstairs to my sister's room, grabbed my sister's favorite pair of overalls and sold it <gasps> or gave it away basically to this family. Are you fucking kidding me? No. <laughs> like they were Mickey Mouse overalls that nothing in the world did Vicky love more than this pair of overalls. And she literally gave it to this family, which I get it. <laughs> I don't, but like, like she's the pastor's That's wife. That's heartbreaking It's though. heartbreaking because it wasn't like, it's not the overalls. It's, this was her prized possession, Vicky's. And it wasn't That's my your, mom's to give. Your kids. Yeah. yeah. And so we came home to find that that prized possession was just given away out of this. And, and it's this like, this lack of self care is a given. This lack of holding on to anything worldly like, it's almost like to Vicky, like my mom to Vicky was kind of like, oh, you should be willing to give this up for Jesus no matter what, no matter when, no matter where you should be ready. Oh, my God. It really diminishes yeah. like who you are. But from a right, exactly. And so from a people pleasing standpoint, that was that was our bar, you know, so like. So it's like you have to sacrifice no matter what. Yeah. You're supposed to give until it hurts. Actually, no. I know. <laughs> so, is this so, jogging so, something? No, no, no. It's so funny because, like, obviously Prisca and I are best friends, mm -hmm. and like, there are scenarios in which, like, you know, Prisca, when we, when you and I hang out mm -hmm. by ourselves, mm -hmm. it's so different mm -hmm. than sometimes when I see you in a group, right? And I'm just yeah. like, oh my gosh, like yeah. she turns into like this different person or the person that I used to know, right? But like hearing you talk about this now, like mm -hmm. as you give more context to where all of this comes from, right? My God, have you made major strides? <laughs> Because, like, seriously, you yeah. know, like, yeah. we were shooting um, Prisca's music video a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. and, you know, it started, like, raining bugs, <laughs> and, like, yeah. and she was barefoot, her feet were getting scraped <laughs> on, like, you know, fish bones, and we were on salt and sea, for all of you who know, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, like, it's gnarly, and there's, like, illnesses, you know, diseases right. everywhere, and, Heroin like, Prisca, like <laughs> Prisca was, like, being such a trooper, and, like, you know, doing what she had to do, but it started raining bugs, and then mm -hmm. Prisca started apologizing for the rain. I was <laughs> <Not laughs> like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, and then I would give her a note on yeah. something, and then she goes, "Okay, I'm sorry." And I'm like, "But no, 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 it was just a note. Like, <laughs> there's literally nothing to apologize for right. because it was not within your realm of control, nor was it your fault, right? Right? And but then like, um, but just, I felt responsible because it's like you guys are out here for something of mine that is just a brainchild of mine. See, you know what see, I mean? That's it, how I looked at that's it. Let's see how you attach your responsibility yeah. to almost everything. Totally." totally yeah. yeah and i think that on the other side like as the person you don't feel comfortable voicing things because you don't want to like i wouldn't want to upset you or ask for another take right you know what i mean which sucks because i would love to do another take but then that communication the communication is like, exactly it, it's almost like you don't mean to say you're sorry like mm -hmm. maybe you are sorry but you're just like oh okay yeah sucks like that sucks yeah. you know right, right right but it's like because you're so used to apologizing yeah it just comes out that way but now i understand i'm mm. like oh she she's just that's just obviously <laughs> says it like he's just trying you know? to make everybody happy because every time you say i'm sorry i'm like like I think yeah. at the topanga retreat i was like, yeah. like yeah, I literally you better shut up was like this close yeah. and, and if, uh <laughs> go cheese to visualize yeah i'm literally like 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 one a hundredth of a centimeter from like fucking slapping her yeah. face off her head yeah. so like because <laughs> i know it's like um the three like my sisters and i we do that well i, I know a lot of people yeah. apologize yeah but it is so 
it, it, like especially my sister Rose and I, we do it so often. Yeah. And we know what each other means. Like I yeah. know what she means when she says sorry, and right. I and she knows what I mean. Right. But I think like I'm really trying to eliminate it from my public um, vocabulary <laughs> because it's like I can replace words like. Like, I'm sorry. Like, oh, if it's raining. And I'm like, I'm oh, I'm so sorry. It's raining. People are like, what the fuck? You yeah, literally yeah. can't control it. Exactly. But it's like, I'm I'm sorry that your day is ruined in my mind. Right. You know right, what I right, mean? Right, like, right, 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 I'm, right, right. I, I feel this remorse for you because you should have this wonderful day. And we picked a day that it's not perfect. You know true, what I mean? True, true. So that's how I, like, mean it. But yeah. I understand now, like, or I'm trying to, like, fully grasp, like, that it doesn't come off that yeah, way. Yeah, it's, it's like, oh, how other people receive what you're saying. Because yeah. the communication being taught by your people-pleasing exactly. became, like, so twisted. You yes. know what I'm saying? But I think what you're saying about putting people on a pedestal really rang true for me. And Goatee's like, please tell us about people you've put on a pedestal. And I feel that I've been fortunate to in my like 20s make friends with people that I used to put on a pedestal but then found a way to like you know what I mean do you still put me on a pedestal (laughs) I mean 10 pedestals up (laughs) but like you know like I've had to find ways because I put everyone on a pedestal right that if I weren't to be friends with people I had put on a pedestal I would literally there'd be nobody left like you know right but so I've had to find ways to almost like hydraulically lower them down, not like beneath or whatever, but just to my ground level and like, and eye to eye see them as a person. And that's the only way you can form an authentic relationship. But also on the other side of that, Prisca, I challenge you to think of how about you Mm -hmm. elevating your pedestal Mm -hmm. to meet where you see them? Because I love you so much. And you're like one of my favorite people on this planet and ever in life. And we're definitely going to be together until we die. Yes, we're going to be buried together. We're going to be buried (laughs) together. And there's going to be a red fern that grows between us. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) But, um, you know, there's something that I notice a lot where Mm -hmm. it's like you you self-deprecate a lot. Like, Mm-hmm. But, like before it was cute during the Natalie Tran yeah. you know generation where sure. self-deprecation was part of humor like, and breaking the ice yeah. um, but do you really see yourself that way like or is it still something that your device you're still using to like make others comfortable feel better yeah. I, I do I try not to make it a, let it be a device that just makes other people feel better because I actually like realized in my mid-20s that that yeah. was like um that was really um uh, what's what's the word uh oh, fuck no it's okay brain fog i know brain fog <laughs> um it was like i, I was looking down on people basically oh like, you, do you know what i mean like i didn't mean to but then ultimately it's like if you're just doing things for other people to be happy or or whatever and putting yourself down just to make people feel comfortable that's actually like not valuing them for being complete people. Right. Even, you know? Right, 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 so, right. There's a specific word. I can't think of it. But it's whatever. okay. Whatever. It's we'll there. circumlocate yeah. around it. You don't have to use one of your SAT words <laughs> oh for my this God. one. It's <laughs> really not. It's like a normal word. I just can't think of it. You're, you're probably all shouting it right now. Like, it's this. No, I um, can't even think of it. We yeah. lionize. Uh, I know. <laughs> but it, it, it's, um, it's belittling. That mm-hmm. I think, yeah. It's belittling mm-hmm. people. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not appreciating them for having complex thoughts and ideas you know i just thought i had to make myself small to make people feel comfortable while as like people are perfectly capable of feeling themselves when you are not small you know and i think that was like my biggest difficulty wow that's Mm -hmm. so cool i never really thought about it that way right yeah i mean i think like so i try not to do that but i'm worried I, i think we're all like like we talk a lot about being um 
afraid of being found to be a fraud. Um, and I think that I still hold that. Like I, I still feel that at any point, even if I'm on stage holding a note, someone could come up and be like, you're a fraud. And I'd be like, you knew it. And I would completely crumple. Like, you know, I live in fear of someone pointing out that I'm not as smart or as talented as I project myself to be. That's my inner, inner, inner fear, if I'm being honest. Our imposter syndrome, darling. Yeah, no, totally. That is just something I think every individual puts on themselves. Totally, yes. You know, it's like, and that goes back to exactly what you were talking about, about self-value and the way that we see ourselves. Because on the other side, there's narcissists, right? Which like hold themselves at a certain level of bravado that nobody can touch. Right. But I think um, we're sort of reconciling the humility that our parents are trying to teach us. Yes. With also a sense of like purpose and honor and integrity for ourselves, which is going to be a really long journey, you know? Because I think we all struggle with imposter syndrome, but I think like what you're saying, like what our moms did was... It wasn't just imposter syndrome. They actually said those things to us. Yes. You know what I mean? I mean, it they wasn't... were literally creating the foundation of the cementing and yeah. breaking of us and who we it are. It wasn't an idea. Our moms, the people who birthed us, who nurtured us to, you know, adulthood or whatever, they were the ones who literally said those things. It wasn't just imposter syndrome. It was like said by our moms out loud. You just know what I mean? a question. This <laughs> obviously probably will segue to another branch of the conversation that's not necessarily on people pleasing. But right. do you think that it's because that society considers confidence to be unattractive or like I think with women egotistical or yeah I think as women in society and maybe tell tell me if you think I'm wrong I think women in society we are now just starting to really allow women to be confident and especially let's say western society in america we're no longer second class citizens thanks I know (laughs) It's it's literally the bare minimum but I think confidence and, you know, I I definitely felt this in the church very often where those gender binaries are um, implicitly taught. Yeah. And, and I think like literally a, a, a male worship leader could say the same things that I said, but it would be read completely differently, you know. And now I know I had valid things to say then, but I would so immediately um, shut myself up once I felt, you know, any sorts of, any sort of, um, resistance or even dissension, you know? So I think that was pretty tough, but so rocks, like we're recovering people pleasers. I think you've recovered a little further than a lot of people have, and you've come so far. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that you've done or experiences that you've had that have helped you let go of it? I just have to say I'm very, very thankful for the people around me. Mm. Like, I, my, my genuine tribe. Like, I think Rochelle was a big turning point. I think Jaw is also really great, mm-hmm. you know, at that. And, like, a lot of people, like, Brie, just like my friends, like, mm-hmm. you would also call me out on shit, you know, yeah. that weren't true. Yeah. You know, as we get older, there are certain things that happen within us or mm-hmm. feelings that don't sit right with mm-hmm. us. Like, if you don't speak out at a meeting mm-hmm. about how you truly feel about something, someone takes credit for your idea, mm-hmm. someone freaking comes after you 
you for something mm-hmm. that is not your fault. Mm-hmm. You being placed the blame for something that is not your responsibility. Yeah. Right. A, a lot of these injustices that yeah. happen. And are you going to stay quiet about it? Mm-hmm. My whole thing is, you know, when we were talking about our signs, mine is I tend to I don't want to create waves, which yeah. is ironic because that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Like in this life in the best way possible. And then so I think. Once I started recognizing mm-hmm. that feeling, the next time I say something, for example, if I go, oh, no, that's OK, mm-hmm. and I'm not setting my boundaries, mm-hmm. I catch myself. Mm. And then sometimes it's even after the fact. I'm like, actually, no. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's so hard because yeah. it's going to be so uncomfortable, especially if you're stepping out of a pattern. Yes. But then once you do it. Yeah. And once you say it, like for me, I, I'm not... I know we're on a podcast and I'm a speaker, but it's actually much stronger for me to say it like in an email or a Mm -hmm. text message. Like I could revise it, Mm -hmm. you know, write it more so that I have power over what I say and I'm not rambling endlessly or like hearing their silence or Mm -hmm. whatever. Like I could state myself and my boundaries very clearly and I could just click send and then just get my hands off. What I'm hearing you say is there's a huge power in the language that you use. Absolutely. And so I I remember one of the things you taught me was something as simple as instead of if you're running late to a meeting saying I'm sorry you can say thank you so much for waiting absolutely absolutely reframe your words yes, you know because they hold power and even like you saying how you perceived the way I said I'm sorry it's like it's mind opening to me because it's like oh the words that we say they hold a lot of power and they hold a lot of meaning absolutely and so I think one of the craziest things about like kind of digging into the psychology of this is that people pleasing is fear-based so it's either fear of rejection it's fear of judgment and it's like I don't think we're here today to be like this is how you solve it because obviously we're both still recovering people pleasers (laughs) we're still ding ding dings everywhere yeah but I think one of the things that I'm realizing as we talk about this is the people that you keep around you are really important and the people who really love you and are your genuine friends one they don't want you to be a mirror of who they are they don't want you to be a shell of a person they shouldn't need you to do all things for them at all hours something smells really good yeah Abe's making you a really good birthday dinner so i mean it's whatever's but yeah um but sorry it's like so i think what i've learned is to watch the energies that you keep around you like you're saying like your tribe they will not settle for anything less than you being genuinely who you are happy content and operating at your best and that requires the best thing you can do for your friends is to take care of yourself so that then you're free to tend to whatever needs might be presented in front of you. And as for those of us who experience it differently than Prisca and I may have, because Prisca and I have very loving, you know, environments and we're orbited around amazing people. For those of you who don't feel that way and do find yourself exhibiting these attributes Mm -hmm. of people pleasing, just, um, be mindful of like what you say, you know, mm-hmm. or how you react quickly to things. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. just, it's as powerful as taking a breath. Just a breath. Like instead of reacting right away. Mm-hmm. Oh no, no, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Right. Yeah. Just like holding it. Right. Just see what happens. Because a lot of what I am discovering throughout our conversation today as well is about reclamation of mm-hmm. your power. Mm-hmm. Right. About reclamation of, um, you know, just like your autonomy yeah. to do things or to say things or to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, right. 
And people pleasing might look different from other people. I think you're bringing Absolutely. up a great point. Yeah. I think some, you know, because we are Asian women, we were learned, we've learned to control our emotions, like from a very young age. And like, that's part mm-hmm. of our issue. Yes. But I can also see some people who try to be people pleasers, who are people pleasers that get frustrated. And then you might have a little outburst without wanting to, because you're so frustrated by not being able to please people and that we get it like that happens so that's like okay and if that's part of your pattern let's work on not operating from a place of fear not jumping to conclusions of what people might be perceiving you as and like opening up that conversation and being honest about what your needs are you know yeah like jaw is on the other side of the spectrum Mm. like same Abe too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like it's like they they don't exhibit any yeah. of these. Of they these. give no. Yeah, shit. yeah. And and for me, that's frustrating as a partner because I mm-hmm. am a recovering people pleaser. I want to make sure everyone is happy all yes. the time. If I'm the fucking host of something, yeah. As you know, when uh-huh. you're the host, of something, like everybody leaves with a good experience. Uh-huh. We don't want any drama. We uh-huh. want everything to be perfect. Yeah. And so there's like this interesting push and pull mm-hmm. because I do think that like you can't always be holy how you feel all the time yeah. like we have to read the room and we have to make sure that why are we here you know what yeah. i'm saying like there's some aspects of that but i think that's interesting like where do you want to be in yeah. terms of your Me. like yeah your people pleasing i think journey you bring up a really good point because i think while it can be a great weakness it can be a great strength in that if it's in harnessed appropriately too because part of it is yes like maybe it's like on the negative side you're assuming what other people think but at the same time we are empaths so we are very in tune with what with what people think so i don't want to say like everything's a a negative yeah (laughs) and like there are certain things where like we can put up with a level of self-discomfort um that I'm like sometimes I'm like glad that I can because it makes certain aspects of life like easier for me you know right like certain things don't phase me yeah it helps me adjust a lot easier to different social circles it does and environments yeah so I think that it's all about being in balance and I think that like you said what like my biggest accomplishment is not that I'm not a people pleaser anymore it's that I can take that breath yeah and i know how to take that breath and check in with myself good and it's as simple as doing that and maybe i still love bomb a little too much and maybe i still but i'm also like much more grounded in who i am and so because i can take that breath and be grounded in who i am and remember what i want and what i need first take a minute to align that then i can walk into any room and like even if i'm serving the needs of others I can still be in tune with what my needs are. Absolutely. Uh. And that is such a great note to end on. <laughs> oh, I think I hear something, Prisca. Uh-huh. Oh, what is that? Co- oh, 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 it's time for... <laughs> great transo, great transo. Oh my God, such a transition. 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 Well, I just want to say that I should have had this as my unsolicited picks mm-hmm. last time. I don't know why I didn't put it because mm-hmm. it was so obvious. <laughs> but um, I just want to uh, give a shout out to Liberate Emporium. <gasps> they're a metaphysical shop and they're Ooh. also, um, they have a bunch of t- like psychics uh, that have a lot of different strengths throughout the whole spiritual spectrum. Yes. And you can, um, you know, book a reading with anybody there and 
like I said uh, on my last episode, I did an Akashic Records reading with Aya Ohara. She's Ooh. also a tarot reader as well. And they so are sick. so nice and they're so helpful. Like, obviously, if you're into or you're starting to get into the metaphysical world, yes. like, go ahead and take a visit and see what your soul needs. So Shit. go ahead and give them a little visit. I think they're doing all the readings virtual right now because who the fuck knows? I when. know. It's so crazy it's right now. Fine. I don't know whether we're not like whether or not to do anything these days. <laughs> I like don't know. I think I'm just fine existing. Yeah, I'm you just know? here. I'm just like, here. I'm floating. Like, I'm flowing. Yeah, it's but like the your... movie Soul. <laughs> I'm oh, just floating here. Yeah, just floating. Um, yeah. and enjoying pizza. But um, you know, go and uh, get your Akashic records. Mm. Like, I would love to know yeah, what your. I want to know my blueprint. Was. Yes. Um, she said that there was a. Li- she saw a. I asked about a previous life uh-huh. or how old my soul is. Oh God. And then she was like, um, she saw, pl- she's like almost as new as the nation, which is actually not that old. And, uh, and then, no, you're older. Than I that. feel like I'm much older than yeah. that. Like super, super older than that. And then she was like, like which nation? Like China? <laughs> Cause that yeah. I would buy Cause like 5,000 like, years. I yeah. Like, that's about right. I would say that I'm like yeah. just the United States. Yeah. That's yeah. like literally, no, there's no way. Yeah. Like no offense, but it's probably China. <laughs> probably read it and was like uh oh right sorry the bearing straight confused me let me change this a little bit unless it's like yeah anyway native lands or something yeah yeah, well if she's talking about like she is talking about yeah she said um great plains and then she saw like a little rocking chair like a little toy rocking chair and then she saw um indigenous Okay, so maybe like not America, but like the Americas. Yes, yes. Hopefully. So not the nation, but the, the nation. nation, the nation, the land, the, original. the stolen land, oh, NBD. Exactly, but, um, but huge deal. Yes, huge deal. And also, um, my life hasn't been very interesting recently. I mean, I've just been very busy. Um, the, also, that's not true because, like we said on the last episode, the journey inward is the most interesting. So you've been doing all the interesting <laughs> things. I'm just like, what is there to put on my unsolicited pics? But um, Spotify has an amazing sound bath playlist. <gasps> Ooh. Okay, we'll post that for your listening pleasure. It's what are you supposed so to do with nice. the sound bath? Um, really? Have you yeah. ever had a sound bath no. before? Oh my god. So when things okay. are back. Are we gonna shroom again? No, no, no. Oh, I'm okay. gonna take you to a sound bath. <gasps> oh my god. So so basically there's they basically have these um people who do like the the singing bowls yeah. and then the gongs and then <gasps> people walk around with the rain makers. Oh. And so it's it's basically you you close your eyes, you're in a room full of people Whoa. and then and then these like frequencies like be, of sounds just take you to a place of relaxation and meditation. It's like the healing frequency? Yes. Uh. And, but then there's a lot of of different ones and then Whoa. sometimes they sing with it as well so it's literally like an hour of you except uh, like experiencing a sound bath for your mind like you what? feel like your brain is being massaged okay teach me your ways girls let's oh go oh my god you've never had a no, sound never. bath before i mean in yoga like the, sometimes they do those little, like singing bowls but yeah no, yeah, no, no that's, that's, <laughs> that's yeah and then like, like people, people walk around like they have all these people that walk around and they 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 put this the rain thing like down your ears Ooh. and so and then you you literally go into a trance mode like like oh you're in that sort of like limbo area between sleep and awake, you know, oh consciousness. And then you start to see shit. I don't know. For me, at least I Holy do. Fuck. It is amazing. Okay. So there's a sound bath playlist that I love to do with my yoga and meditation. And also it's like, it, it brings your mind and it grounds yourself to a certain frequency. Okay. So um, just 
try it. I'm into it. Yeah. I'm into it. Let's do it. I I'm think super you'll like excited. it. What about you? Um, so I've been homesick and one of the things I was able to do was watch Insecure, the final season. Mm. Um, Issa Rae. Love her. Is my hero. I think... I was telling Roxy, but I think Insecure did so much for POC, like, storytelling on kind of that level of being on HBO. And um, I think it's been so cool to watch her develop as a showrunner, as an actress, as a writer, like, all these things as a director. Like, I think she's just developed so much so, and she is telling these amazing stories of these Black characters um, showing Black men in, like, their sexiest fucking forms. Like, being responsible, being strong, being um, soft, being funny, being strange, all being quirky, all of these things. It's like, yo, we need this for people of color storytelling. Like, we are fully fleshed out humans, and it's time that programming really you know, and how's that? She and raised the bar. She raised the fucking bar. Absolutely. And like, yeah, like, you know, they've been, it's been like six years of doing the show, five seasons, and already we take for granted what Insecure did for POC storytelling. So I love the show. I know the first two seasons were, they were kind of finding their footing, but I think from, I think the whole show is like a masterpiece. So, but I think the first two seasons, you can de- definitely feel that learning curve. But this season, I think one of the, like I think someone said or one of the critics said like it was subtly confident and I love that for that you know I love I I really agree it's like this great storytelling and it's very confident but it's not over the top and um I think it's just been such a joy to follow these characters I'm very sad that it's over but I would say that's my recommendation so please go watch Insecure. She's, She's also um the lead mentor or like the leading person for Project Greenlight this year. That's so sick! Yeah. And what I love is like, so if you also finish the show, there's um, a documentary about the making of the final season of Insecure. And one of the things she does is she makes sure that not only like if they're going to do an art walk, they're all artists that are from South Central L.A. I love that. Yeah. And like, oh, we're going to have wardrobe this season. All black creators. That's all community, black designers. Man. It's community. It's like really putting your money like like putting your money where it counts you know what i mean and, and like, where your mouth is too uh, like yeah. she's not just preaching it she's actively doing it 100 percent. yeah so i love like like um alta restaurant in west adams they had their like rap party there at some point like they're actually invigorating this culture and the community not only are they informing people about it they are they are putting money back into the community and i love that so I it makes that. me love the show even more. So much intention and purpose. Right? Um, my other thing is Mangchi's um, Kalbichi recipe. Love um, Obviously, whenever you cook a recipe, you should look up at least four or five recipes because what you want to do is find the spine of the recipe and then like learn about why each step is happening. So if you're like, if you're just boiling the meat, you're not just boiling the meat. Like you're like, you're blanching the meat so that you're taking off the stink of the meat, right? Things like that. You want to learn like why you're doing each step, not just doing them and going through the motions. Because what that does for you is it empowers you to create recipes of your own or to adjust other recipes to suit your own flavor and taste. So anyhow, 
But start with mung cheese, kalbi jeem recipe. She does it very, very refined. I don't think you need to do it as refined as she does, but it's a beautiful recipe. I think it's one of the more um, adventurous and difficult recipes that she has, but it's totally attainable. Isn't kalbi jeem like such a long process? Um, it's not too bad. It's yeah. not too bad. Yeah, it's it's delicious though. It's like, I know, it's so good. So I've good. had some of your kalbi jeem for like Thanksgiving leftovers and it is just to die it's for. to die. It's like sweet, salty. Those Ooh. are like the two like flavor profiles of it yeah and um very sweet because you have this like korean corn syrup in it um and then all so it's like a celebratory dish so it's like for um you know big celebratory events so obviously thanksgiving i was like fuck um but what mangshi does is she kind of like cuts the carrots into perfect spheres i i didn't do that i just do that I, like literally a melon like, scooper I'm i mean kidding. maybe but she just does it with her knife work oh of course but she's so talented i just did it more like a rustic french soup like you know what i mean she's so. like the korean julia child she really just is. fucking love her love monkey love um, monkey but before we leave you today we got to take you to class ring 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 are you ready for class class uh, is in session let's speak taiwanese All right, so in spirit of our topic today, mm-hmm. um, I want to teach everybody how to say, don't worry. Don't worry. Or don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Be you know happy. what? <laughs> yeah, if someone's treating shitty, treating you shitty or just in a grouchy mood, Ooh. maybe it has nothing to do with you. Nothing unless you, to do with you. purposely tick them off. But like, yes. that you're at fault. But what if, you know, if someone's not feeling well, it's not on you to, you know, make them feel better. So don't worry yeah. about it. All right. Mm-hmm. So just uh, filter it and leave it, make it leave your body, make you know, leave, leave your, your sphere. So how do we say don't worry about it? Okay, you tell me. My huan lo. My huan lo. Yeah. So it's like, ah, my huan lo la. Ah, my huan lo la. It's like, oh, dinner's not ready yet. Ah, ah. my huan lo la. <laughs> oh, she didn't RSVB to your party. My huan lo la. Oh, she kind of gave you a glance that could have been upset. Oh. My huan lo la. <laughs> Everything. My huan lo, my huan lo, my huan lo. Do they not don't worry, worry about it. Shake that shit off. You know what? Life is too short, man. Yes. Uh, do you want to like look back on your life as an 80-year-old woman and be like, oh, no. Like this person was unhappy with me. No, I just want to make sure I ate everything I needed to Thank eat. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And that includes enjoying your life and feeling the pleasure all around you all at around all times. You. All yes. Time. Eat up life, you know I what I'm saying? I can't mm-hmm. wait. I can't wait to be old until yes. that moment and be like farting freely and uh, like not I giving already. a fuck. <laughs> you know, I feel like I'm already there too. I wake up with at least 80 cracks in my bones Ooh, every single day. 18. Yeah, yeah. 34. Everything you know? hurts. Everything hurts. Yeah, it's I did great. yoga for the first time since yeah. Thanksgiving. Everything hurts. That's great, but I'm like, am I dead afterwards? But I'm like dying. I'm dying. Yeah, no. And I'll on that note, <laughs> on that note, we love you all. Please take care of yourself yes. so that it's like being on an airplane. I know you've heard this, but you got to put on your own oxygen mask before you can help anybody else because you're not going to be helpful to anybody if you're deprived of oxygen. So get your oxygen, bitches. A hundred percent. And also, if you want to make a donation to us, feel <gasps> <Please> free. Please give. <laughs> We have a donate button on our website. Yes. Uh, you know. We're not saying you have to please us. But also, <laughs> thank you. I know, it'd be really great. All right, all right, all right. We're all closing right, this up. We're okay, closing okay. this up. All right, have a horny week. Our lovely goatees. And remember, stay, stay horny.
Is hosted by me, Roxy, and her, Priska. <laughs> music by Abraham Kim. Incidental music provided by Dan, aka Dan. Artwork by Connie Yen. Please visit us at twohornygoats.com. Please donate. Have thoughts or questions for us? Email us at hello, hello at, at twohornygoats.com. Okay, bye. bye.